I'm Rachel Hernandez, real estate investor turned mobile home investor and best-selling author. I make a living investing in mobile homes for cash flow for long-term passive income. After many mistakes and lessons learned, I've been able to create the kind of life where I can do the types of things I want to do, not have to do. I created the Adventures in Mobile Homes podcast to share with you what I've learned so you can spend more time with family, friends, and do things you love. Mobile home investing can help you get there. If you want to hear real stories with practical and actionable advice you can use from someone who's been in the trenches and who's still investing today to create the type of life you love, then you're in the right place. Let's get started. Well, hello there. And welcome to the Adventures in Mobile Homes podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Hernandez, a.k.a. Mobile Home Girl of AdventuresinMobileHomes.com. Thank you so much for joining me here on the 29th episode of the podcast. Now, just in case you missed it, be sure to tune in to the last episode where I talk about how to screen buyers, or renters for your mobile home investing business during your open houses and the application process. This is a second episode for this series, and you can find it along with the show notes at www.adventuresinmobilehomes.com slash 28. And that is the number 28. Okay. So let's get started. So last week, I talked about the process of screening buyers or renters during your open houses for your mobile home investing business. Again, you want to be sure to take note of the people who come early or on time for each open house that you have. These will be your most serious buyers or renters. Why? Because they took the time to get there on time and can follow directions. But it's not just about getting there on time. You have to look at their mannerisms and see if they are the types of people that you can work with for the long term. Do they seem respectful? What types of things are they doing while looking through the home? What types of questions are they asking you? Do they have good reasons to move? How much do they know about the neighborhood? Do they have friends and or family members living in the park? And do they seem genuinely interested? These are all questions you want to ask yourself when interacting with people at your open houses. Again, those who are late or do not seem like they can follow directions, I don't take them seriously. Yes, I'm polite and courteous, but I don't spend that much time with them. And that gets me to an important point. 
time. How much time do you want to spend meeting and talking with prospective buyers or renters? In order to be successful for the long term, you have to be smart about it. And that means being able to focus on people who are truly good candidates for the mobile homes that you have on the market. Not the looky-loos or the people who will waste your time, or even worse, those that wouldn't be a good fit for you to work with for the long term. So take note of these people while at your open houses. Be sure everyone signs in so you have everyone's contact information, including their name and phone number at a minimum at your open houses. And one of the things I like to do is put a star next to the people I feel good about on the sign-in sheet and make notes and observations on a separate notepad while everyone is going through the house. This way, I can go back and look at my notes when I start receiving applications to remind me of what I liked about certain people and what I didn't like about others. Now, if you're interested, I've got a form available that you can use for your open houses in my new book, if you'd like to check it out. I'll be sure to put a link here in the show notes. I've got you covered. But today, I want to continue to talk about the application process when it comes to screening buyers or renters for the mobile homes that you have on the market. Once people have called and have attended the open house, now what? What is the next step in the process? And how exactly do you determine who you're going to pick as a buyer or renter for the homes you have available? But before we move on, let's hear a word from our sponsor. Hey there, Rachel here. Do you need help with your mobile home investing business? Do you have questions that you need answers to? Maybe you have a potential deal in the works and you need a second opinion from an expert. Perhaps you just need someone to help guide you and get started. But you don't want to spend thousands of dollars doing it. Well, look no further. If you need help with your mobile home investing business or plans to be a mobile home investor, I do offer mentoring to those who need it. Get the help you need and your questions answered from me, an expert who has the experience and invests in mobile homes day in and day out. If you'd like to learn more, go to www.com adventuresinmobilehomes.com slash need help. Again, 
adventuresinmobilehomes.com slash need help. Get started today and I'll talk to you soon. Now, back to the show. Okay, first things first. So you've passed out a few applications at your open house to prospective buyers or renters. You've got everyone's contact information and have had everyone sign in. You've starred the people that you like and have a good feeling about based on your observations at the open house. And you've taken your notes. You've made note about the people who just seem to be looky-loos, but took an application anyways. Or you made note of some people who kept asking you all kinds of questions, which you didn't have a good feeling about. There were things said that may jeopardize their ability to pay on the home. Or it just didn't seem like they had a good reason to move. Whatever the case may be, you've passed out applications. You have everyone's information who signed in. And you've got your notes together. Now what? Well, you wait for the applications to come in. If someone mentions at the open house that they would fax it into you on a certain day, make note of that. See if they actually do what they say. Now, if they do, that's a good indication of a serious buyer or renter. If not, they may not be as serious about the home. That's just my experience and take on the subject. But let's get down to the application itself. Once the applications start coming in, then what? Which applications do you confirm and go over first? And which ones do you put off to the side? How do you prioritize the applications that come in for the mobile homes that you have on the market? Well, that's a good question. For me, I prioritize by going back to my notes and the open house sign-in sheet. Who actually turned in the application when they said they would? And I put a star next to their name. And I had a good feeling about during the open house. These are the applications I do first. Now, if you haven't gotten any of these applications yet, then you'll have to turn your attention to those that you are getting. As a side note, in the past, and this has happened several times, I've met with families who seemed like good prospects during these open houses. They got there early or on time, 
they were respectful and took an application. And they told me they'd turn it in. So I put a star next to their name on the sign-in sheet and made note of them in my notebook during the open house. Though the next week rolls around and I get nothing from them. No application, no call, nothing. So I take the time to call them. And guess what? Well, it turns out things came up and they weren't as serious right now to move. Or they say they're still interested, but just haven't gotten to the application. At this point, I thank them for their time. And I know that they're not as serious as I thought they were. And I move on. It's important to know this going in. There will be people who attend your open houses that you like and you feel like they're serious. They do all the right things. They get there early or on time. They're respectful. They take an application. And they say they're going to turn it in. But the next week rolls by and nothing happens. So take it from me. It's really not worth your time to follow up with these people. Continue your marketing and hold your open houses every week, even as the applications come in, until the home is filled, meaning there's a new family in the home and you've done all of the paperwork to get them in there. That's when a deal is finally done and over. Getting back to it, let's talk about when the applications finally start coming in. How do you sort through them? And which ones do you work on first? and confirm all the information. Remember when I talked about the Open House Guest Registry book? Go back to that book and also take out your notebook. Look at the people that you put a star next to and then look at the notes in your notebook. Then compare it to who actually turned in an application. Now, if anyone on that starred list is there and you've got good notes on them, then work on their application first. If not, you can start to run applications on others who have turned them in. But, if you receive any applications that are incomplete, stop right there. Don't waste your time. 
if there's any type of missing information and or documentation that was asked on the application, then you know right away that you don't have a serious prospect. Contact the applicant and let them know the application cannot be run until all of the required information and documentation has been turned in. If they ask you if they have to refax the missing information, then say yes. Don't meet them at the house to pick up the needed items. Or have them drop it off at the park office, which sometimes people do. Again, you want serious buyers or renters. And those who are serious will follow directions. Period. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Now, when you ask for more information from applicants who don't have all of the documentation and or information filled out on the application, many will just say, okay, and not turn in the required paperwork, especially if they have to refax again. Though there will be people who do, and most times these applicants are desperate, meaning they are running away from something. And again, they just can't follow directions. If you do receive the required information from these applicants, you can run the rest of the application, but just don't make it a priority. You'll want to spend time with applicants who are serious buyers or renters. These people can follow directions and get you the information you need for the application when they say they'll turn them in. These will be your most serious prospects when it comes to finding buyers or renters to fill your mobile homes. So you want to spend the most time on them. Regarding the applications, once you've sorted out which ones you're going to work on first, based on the priority system I just discussed, then it's just a matter of confirming all of the information on the application. So the main things you want to check and verify are the landlord history, employment history, and any criminal records they may have. So let's talk about the landlord history. You want to verify both their present and past landlord. Verify the address they stated they're renting on in the application, the monthly payment, and how long they've been renting for. Also, you want to be sure 
to ask the landlord if they've ever had any late payments. And if they have, when and why? And what was the outcome? Other than that, you want to ask the landlord if there's anything else they can tell you about the applicant, whether good or bad. Do this for both the present as well as the past landlord or landlords if they have multiple ones listed on the application. Now, I will tell you, the past landlord will tell you the true history of the applicant versus the present landlord. If the applicants aren't good payers, there's a chance the present landlord may want them out. And who knows what they'll tell you over the phone. But the past landlord, or landlords for that matter, will tell you everything. The payment history, how long they paid, whether there were any late payments, and why. And how they left the place that they rented, whether in good condition or bad condition, and why they moved out in the first place. This will paint a more realistic picture for you. So be sure to listen well when you talk to these landlords over the phone. And if you get any applicants without any landlord payment history, and you will, as I have, well, then it's up to you if you want to give them a chance. For some investors, they do take risks on these type of applicants if they have a good feeling about them. Though they ask for a bigger move-in fee to make up for the fact that there is no past and or present landlord paying history. Though for me, I don't really take these applicants into consideration. And they're not at the top of my list when it comes to going over applications. For me, I can't make a decision on an applicant and know whether they're going to be a good payer or not without any past and present landlord paying history. I need both to make a decision. So usually, in these types of cases, I run all the information. But I tell the applicants that they just didn't pass. Moving on, let's talk about employment. Now, for most mobile home parks that I work with, usually high-end parks, they require the residents to be in the same line of work and at the same company 
for the past three years. If they see a lot of job hopping and moving around, especially if they go back and forth between different industries, then usually these applicants are not approved. So for me, when I run my own applications, I have to follow this protocol. Since prospective applicants have to pass both my application as well as the park's application to be a resident of the park and live there. So I do the same thing. I confirm the employment, usually by talking to the human resources department of the present and past employer or employers if they've listed more than one and verify all the information, including start and end dates, if applicable, monthly and annual salary, and any bonuses that they receive. Lastly, I ask if there's anything else they want to add about the applicant as an employee of the company. Now, sometimes they'll say good things or bad things. And other times, they'll say there's nothing else to add. And so, I'll thank them for their time and leave it at that. As for checking income, I verify the information by looking at the documentation I asked for. So, I check the pay stubs, usually from the last three to four months, and W-2s filed from the past three years. For self-employed individuals, I have to look at 1099s filed for the last three years, and I also ask for bank statements from the last six months. This way, I can see how much is being deposited every month from the income received as a self-employed individual. Furthermore, I ask to talk to any bosses or clients, both past and present, to verify the information and to get a sense of the applicant's character. Usually, again, by asking them if there's anything they'd like to add about the applicant at the end of the call. Now, as a side note, I usually work with families who have either both a husband and the wife as W-2 employees, or one person as a W-2 employee, usually the husband, and the wife being self-employed, receiving a smaller amount of income to contribute toward the household. Personally, I don't work with residents who have 100% self-employed income, meaning they don't have a regular employer. For me, this is pretty risky as a real estate investor, especially if I can't verify the income 
receive. Though again, it's a personal choice. There's no right or wrong way to do it. I just prefer to work with families where there's some sort of W-2 income received on a regular basis. As for the income, I usually look for a monthly household gross income, meaning from both husband and wife, of three times the monthly payment or rent. If it's less than that, then usually I don't approve them. Those are just my parameters as a real estate investor. Moving on, lastly, let's talk about checking the criminal record. Honestly, if you've done your screening right, meaning over the phone and during the open house, as we talked about in episode 27 and 28, then you shouldn't have anyone with a criminal record apply. Though, if you miss something, then this is your chance to uncover it. As for checking criminal records, I work in high-end parks where they check it too as part of their application process. Anyone with any sort of criminal record will not be approved by the park. And that's a safety measure taken by the types of parks I work with. Now, as a side note, just in case you missed it, be sure to check out episode 7 of the podcast where I talk about the different types of mobile home parks. Getting back to it, at a minimum, I check both the county and state records of where applicants have lived when it comes to checking criminal records. Now, in some areas, you do have to pay for it And this is a personal choice. For me personally, I can get minimal criminal information from both the county and state records where I do business in for free. And if I do miss anything, then I have peace of mind that the park will find it. Since they do thorough criminal record checks and pay for it, which is taken out of the application fee to live in the park. Now, for me, this is the most important part of the application. And I'm covered since the parks I work in don't allow people to live there with any type of criminal record. Though, this may not be the case for other types of parks, such as middle-of-the-road and low-end parks. So, if you're working in these types of parks, it's definitely something to be aware of. And if you have to pay money to do your own criminal background checks because 
the parks you do business in don't, then it may be worthwhile to do it. So you have any criminal information you need on your applicants to make a determination. By the way, I talk more about how I screen applicants and how I go over applications and how I choose them in my book, Adventures in Mobile Homes, How I Got Started in Mobile Home Investing, and How You Can Too, if you'd like to learn more, which I'll link up here in the show notes. Okay, so you're receiving applications and you're confirming the information first on the applicants that you have a good feeling about. Remember, these are the people you starred during the open house, and you know they can follow directions. These will be the types of folks at the top of your list. Sure, you can continue to run applications on those that are not in this category, but just don't spend too much time on them. You've got to prioritize. Remember, the goal is to fill the home with people that you feel comfortable with. As you really don't want to have to take back the home in the future. Now, I won't go into taking homes back as it's a whole nother topic, but I may do an episode on the subject down the road. So stay tuned. In any case, once you've confirmed all the information on the applicants that you have a good feeling about, then you just have to see if they pass your parameters. Again, good landlord payment history for both the present and the past landlord is required. If they don't have this, then move on to the next application. Honestly, don't waste your time. It's not worth it. And the last thing that you want is to put the wrong people in the home. Getting back to it, let's move on to employment history. If they've got a good stable job, at least three years at their current job, and in the same industry, then that's a good indication. Again, you've got to look at the household income. At a minimum, I require the people I choose to have at least three times the rent amount coming in every month. Otherwise, I can't pass them. And remember, it's up to you. If you want to take on self-employed applicants, though without a W-2 and a stable paycheck, it makes it hard to decide. One thing you can do is take more money 
up front as a move-in fee. If you've got a good feeling about the applicant. Now, for me personally, usually I have at least one member of the household as a W-2 employee, and it's okay if another member, such as the spouse, is self-employed. As long as I can see stable income in the form of paycheck stubs, and there are IRS filings, then I'm okay. Lastly, let's talk about checking criminal records. Do your best to see if your county and or state has any databases that you can use to look up criminal history. Again, I work in high-end parks where this information is checked for all applications for the park, so, if I miss something, the park will probably catch it, as it's all part of the application fee. Though, if you don't work in a park that does thorough background checks, especially when it comes to the criminal record part, then you'll have to rely on your own due diligence. Even if you have to pay to access a database, to look up criminal records, it's worth it. The last thing you want to do is put the wrong person in the home, especially one with a criminal record and a shady past. Now, once you have all the information confirmed on the application, then it's time to make a decision. Remember, choose wisely. Now, if among the applications you've received, none fit your criteria, then continue to market the home and hold your open houses. Remember, you only have one home to fill, but many applicants to choose from. So choose wisely. Now, if you're working with an applicant and everything checks out on the application, meaning they've done everything that you've asked them to when they say they're going to, and they've passed all your criteria on the application, such as the landlord payment history, both present and past landlords, employment information, and criminal background check, well, then you're ready to make a decision and approve them. Call them up and let them know. Tell them that they're approved for the home, but they will still need to pass the application for the park. Now, they should know this already as this should have been discussed at the open house. Tell them to call up the park manager to set up a time to pick up an application and turn it in. But remind them you still have to continue to show the home until it gets filled. 
tell them you're still collecting applications and screening applicants. This creates a sense of urgency. So if they're really serious, they will go ahead and fill out an application for the park and turn it in as soon as they can. Now, before you approve any applicant, you should tell the park manager first. This way, they know to expect a call or a visit from the applicant. Tell the park manager why you approve them and why you think they'd make a good resident for the park. Also, this is a good excuse to talk to the park manager and build and strengthen your relationship even more. As an investor with over a decade of experience in this business, I can tell you, park managers and owners want to see you as the investor working. So you just can't expect to hide behind a computer screen and not visit or talk to them at all. By seeing you on a regular basis and seeing that you're working, you build trust, which takes time. But once you build it, you'll be ahead of the competition. So there you have it. My take on how to go over applications that you receive from either buyers or renters for the mobile homes that you have on the market. And the steps you need to take to prioritize which applications you do first and which ones you don't put in too much time into and why. Remember, you want to put the right people in the home. So choose wisely. It's not a race to fill your homes with just anyone. You need to fill them with people that you feel comfortable with who are honest, reliable, and do what they say. This will be very important when things get tough and or situations come up. It's better to be working with honest people than dishonest people. Believe me, I know this from experience, and that's all I'm going to say about that. Apart from prioritizing the applications that you receive, you have to also know how to confirm and verify all of the information on the application. Again, have your own set of criteria of what you're looking for and stick to it. While going through the applications, go with the applicant that you feel the most comfortable with and whose information checks out. If the information does not check out on the application, then you know you're working with a dishonest prospect. 
So move on and keep marketing your home until you find an applicant that works for you. Moving on, once you've approved an applicant, the next step is to send them to the park office to get approved by the park. And again, keep marketing your home until it gets filled and the new residents have moved in. Because I will tell you, and I'm speaking from experience, not everything goes the way you think it will. So be prepared, just in case things don't work out. And if you need help in this area, definitely let me know. I do offer mentoring to those who need it. And I'll put a link here with more information in the show notes if you're interested. So what did you think? Did this episode help you? As a mobile home investor? I hope so. If you've enjoyed the show and find value with it, please consider supporting the show. I've enjoyed this podcasting journey so far, and it's something that I've always wanted to do. I'll include a link in the show notes on how you can support me if you'd like to check it out. For more information on this episode, check out the show notes where I link up some of the resources mentioned here. You can find it at www.adventuresofmobilehomes.com slash 29. And that is the number 29. Again, www.adventuresofmobilehomes.com slash 29. And if you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to share it with family and friends and be sure to subscribe if you have some time i'd love to hear your feedback through a short apple podcast review until next time this is rachel hernandez aka mobile home girl of the adventures in mobile homes podcast signing off thanks for tuning in